This is Maryland Horse Council, educating, unifying, and representing the Maryland horse community. I'm your host, Ray Shan Mayer. Thanks for joining us and riding along today. This morning, we have an interesting group. It's not just an interview. It's a family affair. <laughs> Sitting in front of me, could you introduce yourselves? Sure. Karen Fulton. This is Stephen Fulton, Karen's husband. And in our ears, we have their daughter. Could you introduce yourself, Woosh? I'm Woosh Fulton. I am the oldest daughter. We're missing our youngest daughter, Grace Fulton. First of all, we have to ask. We can't ask your parents, so we're going to ask you. You are a very accomplished writer. And how old are you? I am 28. One of the conversations we were having off air, if anybody wants to see the picture, we're going to take a picture of your parents holding you up on the equiary when this is finished. If you want to see and you're listening to this podcast and you want to put some names and faces together, we'll have them for you on the website. When you decided to start writing, you almost didn't have a choice because you grew up with this. And you grew up in a very different environment than most of your cohorts in Howard and Carroll County, Maryland. At 28 years old, you are on the phone because you're in North Carolina. You are an accomplished writer, which is a small percent of the population. And my guess is you grew up very quickly because of the equestrian background. It was a great way to grow up, and I'm not sure they meant it, but our parents were encouraging of both my sister and I to do other things. And looking back on it, I'm not sure how they would have made that happen with their schedule, but they at least pretended to be genuine and say, if you wanted to play soccer, that's fine. But yeah, growing up on the farm was a great way to grow up. When they encouraged you to do other things, was it from a young age? Because you were born on the farm, but that was not their first careers. Do you think that your love of horses would have happened otherwise? Uh, honestly, that's something I never thought about. Not having horses in my life wasn't, yeah, it's nothing I've I've even thought about. So yeah, I can't really answer that question. So our daughter has a very similar answer. Well, we had horses when we grew up, but I didn't know I had a choice, but they were just here. So I think it was in the genes and then part of the environment came together and it just kind of happened. How old were you when you set your first horse? Do you even remember? No, no, I did not. She had her first pony when she was two weeks old. We went and bought Obi. That was probably more for us. Well, more for me than yeah, for Woods. More for you. But- Two weeks old. But two weeks, that's a, that's pretty early. Her first tour show was yeah. at Garrison Four. She was 18 months old and she fell asleep on Rascal because they took too long in the lead line. Oh my goodness. We still have that ribbon. So it's the rhythm and the motion put her right to sleep. Yep. There you yeah. go. So can you tell us and the listening audience where you're at and what you're doing? Yep. I am in Aiken, South Carolina with four horses down here for the winter, which is sort of like January 2nd. And then mid-March, we will go to Carolina International, which is in Southern Pines, probably, I don't know, six hours from here. And then from there, we'll head back up north and go home. We got a little bit spoiled. The last two winners at home have been quite nice. And I was starting to think, maybe I don't need to come down to Aiken. But luckily I did because they've just had a bunch of snow. And while it was freezing cold and disgusting here, I didn't have much to complain about to the people at home because ground here doesn't freeze. So you can continue training and getting a head start on the season. So while you're in Aiken, you're not just training horses. What are you training for? Uh, well, we're training horses. The main goal is selling horses. Um, I have three sale horses down here with me right now. And sort of, you know, the U.S. is hard to sell horses because it's so big. So sort of Aiken, Ocala, and Wellington would be your three big sort of hubs for the winter buyers. So 
you can you know sort of draw a large audience and with there being a lot of horses here for sale it's easy to get people on flights you can come down look at several horses in a day instead of you know having to fly to one place where you're going to get snowed out and then another place where it's freezing cold and you only have the indoor so like when we're done with this phone call i'm going to take a horse to a farm next door someone's going to ride it there that's like an agent and then if that goes well their clients will fly down on the weekend and try her again and then there's lots of sort of schooling opportunities lots of shows every week you can really do as much or as little as you want while you're down here and then with my top horse cash points on by nelson Mornell, he is getting fit and getting ready to begin his season in two weeks at pine top and get sort of a, a head start on his competitive season and cash Hopefully. point is photographed with you doing some beautiful jumps on top on the equiary cover here the month of december has your picture. tell everybody what discipline that you're working for aiken is known for so many winter hoffman aiken that area is known for so many different types of horse training what is your specialty the picture kind of gives it away uh, my, yeah my specialty is an eventing so that's three phases dressage cross country and show jumping and the dressage would be sort of the harmony and submissiveness phase and the cross country test bravery and stamina and then on the third day the show jumping is how well they were prepared for the cross country how fit they are to continue and their carefulness and agility over fences and then throughout there's that checks to make sure that the horses are well and fit to continue and this is part of the business that you've created and spun out of full moon farm yep that's correct could you tell us a little bit about that and how your husband's involved with it sure so we run fmf equestrian my husband david Tickler, is a grand free dressage rider and yeah we have a training sales and competition business on the back side of full moon farm and it's great because we get all of the amenities of the farm without having sort of the high foot traffic of the busy lesson barn it's good to have everything in one place it makes it a family affair it does you should see your mom sitting here on pins and needles. <laughs> so when you say the backside of the farm, do you literally mean the backside of the farm? Yep. So sort of the main property, which was the first part that was purchased, has the majority of the horses and the paddocks, et cetera. And then sort of in the top third of that, we have the arenas and the places to ride. And then in the middle of the farm is our giant cross-country course, hayfield, water jump, banks, all the fun stuff. And then on the back, it's probably not even a third, but on the back, side of the property we have 15 stalls in our paddocks and some employee housing back there so it's some days the hack to the arena is nicer than others but it's nice and we're sort of secluded and our high maintenance horses can be looked after without having to worry about sort of the foot traffic and the craziness of all the cute kids can you give us the name that you have provided your business fmf equestrian and the focus of that business is i'd say the the main focus is competition and training and then sales are sort of secondary to that. Are you still actively competing? Your picture says yes. Yes, I am. Competing yesterday, competing on Saturday, competing Tuesday after that. Yes, lots of lots of competing. And you've been very successful at the five-star. You've competed at the three-star. You've had many different areas. What's your favorite level? Ooh, favorite level would probably be prelim, which is sort of right in the middle. As you sort of go up the levels, it's big enough to feel like it's exciting and you're going kind of fast and the jumps are, you know, not just logs on the ground, but at the same time, it's small enough. It's not sort of the pressure of the top levels. One of the articles that I recently read in January, Between the Ears, published by Eventing Nation, a great article, and you were so helpful for so many writers. I've heard some buzz about this. So just to capture the spirit of this, when we come back, let's have the conversation about 
about changing the writing after an event that's happened that changes your perspective. Perfect. In 2009, brothers Tim, Marcus, Matthew, and Jason Byler launched Paradise Energy Solutions. Since then, Paradise has grown to more than 80 employees, helping over 14,000 businesses, farmers, and homeowners make a difference with solar energy. Because of their commitment to doing things the right way, they have been ranked as a top solar contractor by Solar Power World for eight consecutive years. The teams of skilled, experienced solar professionals at Paradise Energy Solutions enjoy helping horse farm owners, business owners, and homeowners eliminate or at least reduce their electricity use. Schedule a review for an analysis of the solar options and opportunities for your property and get a quote that will let you know available federal and tax incentives and projected savings in electrical costs for the next 30 years. Call 877-851-9269 or visit ParadiseSolarEnergy.com. Welcome back. Hello. Thank you. So you're down in Aiken, you're training horses, you're putting horses up for sale, you're competing, you're doing all of these wonderful things. This is a true family affair where you, we've got your folks here in studio with us. We've got you on the phone from Aiken and you are really being darn successful. If you had a piece of advice to give for everyone out there who's about 16, 17, 18, is final year of school. They're looking at what they want to do. Can you give them any advice on how to make choices if they want to stay in the equine industry? biggest one would be, you know, decide what you're good at and decide what you like doing. And hopefully those two things are the same one. And if they're not, you know, like, don't be afraid to explore other options. I feel like in the horse industry, we're sort of taught from a young age that you're either a rider or a groom or a barn owner. And those are sort of the only things that you can be. Realistically, there's a million other things. There's show management, there's social media, there's marketing, there's horse sales, there's a rider. You can ride at an exercise barn, you can do racehorses. In the state of Maryland, all those different disciplines come out to the tune of about $3 billion. Yeah, there's just so many avenues that you can go down and some of those avenues make more money than others. But I think there is something for everyone in the horse industry. You just have to sort of look out of your immediate bubble. And I think a great way to do that is go to a show and look at everything that's happening to make that show run. There's the course builders, there's the course designer, there's the dressage judge, there's the show jumping judge, there's the paramedics, there's the secretary. You get the point. But there's a million jobs that pay that don't necessarily mean you have to be sun up to sundown in the barn riding other people's horses. One of the reasons to be a Maryland Horse Council member are all of the networking opportunities. We are so blessed with talented and knowledgeable people all around us here in Maryland and just plain interesting folks doing all kinds of things. Individual and professional memberships provide a platform for learning and exchanging of ideas, promoting growth and development. Why invent the wheel when somebody else has a similar wheel you can learn from? Coming together as one equine community with one voice in the state of Maryland, we all become informed and stronger together. You made a decision to become a trainer and a professional rider. How did you make that decision? Because it's what I'm good at and it's what I like doing. Um, you know, some days I like it more than other days, but I would say the best reminders whenever I see a school bus, I'm like, I am so glad I am not getting on that thing to go to school. 
Yeah. And I'm very lucky to be able to do my passion every day. That certainly doesn't come without its challenges and sort of balance and act. It is very hard to balance, but I'm lucky that I found a partner that shares the same horse training philosophies. And so that made sort of going into business together an easier decision. I'm very lucky to be able to do that every day. How many years have you been in business? COVID. So 2020. So this was a big change and it's new and lots of things going on. What are yeah, you... in the middle of a, a shutdown, the worldwide panic. It was a not the best time to start a business. But... but you know, that's the time everybody was getting on horses and buying horses and going out for trail rides because we could all do that. And everybody was thinking trail rides were easy. What are your goals for your business this year? I'd say the biggest goal is to get more um, owners on board to start that pipeline of young horses that I can develop into top horses. Like Cash Point, we got as a four-year-old little baby. And in three years' time, you know, he's at the top of a national show. So that's been very exciting. Um, but just getting sort of fresh people in who are excited about the sport and excited about supporting the future of U.S. eventing. And I would say that's the biggest goal of the year. In your philosophy, are you looking for horses that have been bred in a certain way to enter into your program? Are you taking off the track horses? What are you looking for in horses that come into your program? I would say specifically any type of way, really hesitant to put horses in a box and say, oh, this is my favorite type of horse or I hate these type of horses because as we know, they're all individuals, but really the trainability is the best thing or the most important thing that I look for. You know, they can be bred out the wazoo for sport, but if they don't want to be taught, it's really hard to teach them. There's a bunch of wasted talent. My five-star horse, Captain Jack, would be very low on the talent scale and very high on the heart and the tri scale. So I'm hoping that cash point sort of meets somewhere in the middle. He's got a lot more talent and sort of that heart to be at the top levels comes with experience. There's no magic formula, but there has to be, they want to get to the other side of the fences. They want to have to try for you. But as the sport, you know, evolves to make it more palatable for a wider audience, there is a certain level of breeding quality that is necessary for the very top levels. When you are going out looking for those horses, what ages are you looking for? I would say three, four, and five years old. I really like to sort of be at the beginning of the horse's career and that way, like with Cash Point, I know every jump he's ever jumped in his entire life. And I think that helps when you get into a sticky situation. You're able to rely on all of those experiences that you've had together to sort of help you navigate things. I'm very lucky the last two horses I've gotten have been for a man I worked for in Germany, Dirk Schade, who went to the London Olympics. He's very accomplished and he's helped a bunch of people find really nice horses. And I spent like nine months over there with him. So he was able to sort of know my personality, know what type of horse I like riding. That when I say, hey, Dirk, like we got some people together, we've got some money, this is our budget, help me find a horse. He's able to sort of weed out the ones that are are not going to suit my style. You brought up sticky situations. Anyone who's been around horses or barns long enough really caught the understatement in sticky situations that you put out there. In April, I was mounting a horse and I came off and I broke three vertebrae. And in your article between the years, one of the issues that you brought up there was getting back on and working through the fear and how you get back into the saddle. What advice do you have for folks? In the section we were talking about before, you had talked about building the confidence and your favorite parts of the competition being some of the lower jumps, some of the things that just build the confidence. Does that come into play? 
Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, sort of horse people might be known for their type A, like if we just work harder, do more of it, we'll get there faster type of thing. And that's really not the case with horses. And that's not the case for our bodies and recovering mentally, physically, emotionally, all the things. And that's sort of the nice thing about horse training is that there's always more basics to make a better foundation. And so when you get, you know, in a place where you're worried or you feel like you or the horse is a little bit mentally, physically, emotionally fried, you can always take that step back. You can always go back to the walk and there's a million things to work on so that you feel like you're still taking a step forward, not just, you know, trying to run a mile and fail the first time. What steps would you advise a person? I know for myself, that mounting block became just a huge, scary thing. And getting on and getting off the mounting block was worse than getting on and getting off the horse. What advice do you have for folks and what would you say for their heads? I think, you know, one of the most important things is surrounding yourself with good people and people that, again, know your personality and know when you need to be pushed and know when you need a pat on the back. Because as we know, like fear can trigger very, I don't want to say delusional responses, but that's not a bad word to use, actually. it, It can trigger very sort of delusional or wrong responses. And we certainly see it like all the time with, you know, at full moon with the kids and the adult amateurs and, you know, all it like confidence is so easy to ruin and it takes forever to get back. And so I think taking baby steps, again, in the right direction is going to be better than you saying, well, I'm scared to get on this mounting block, but screw it today. We're going to go jump a course. And it's like, well, how about we just practice getting on and off that mounting block? And so I think, you know, having someone there that you trust and has seen you on good days and bad days and every days in between to sort of tell you, hey, it's okay if you want to go slow today. Like we don't even have to ride also at the same time been like okay it's been six months like get on you really need to like move on from this because at some point it becomes not fair to the horse you're riding to ask them to tow you around when you've got all of this emotional baggage that has nothing really to do with them one of the pieces of advice i was given we're going to turn this back over to your parents in just a moment one of the pieces i was given at this point was make sure i kept my personal fitness to a level that was fair to the horse or the level of the endurance match the level of the riders. You have to match your horses and riders together. And that was part of the recovery. I had someone tell me to do my yoga in the barn. If I was stretching the horse, I must stretch there too. What are your thoughts? Yeah, a thousand percent. You know, and I think it can be really easy to not look at this as a sport. And especially when a lot of people are just doing this recreationally, you know, there's higher and lower expectations as you go up the levels. Again, I think it's really important for your balance and a million other things. Like we just need to be fair to the horses. And if you aren't able to physically have the stamina to post the trot once around the ring, you shouldn't be expecting the horse to carry you around that ring. Um, And I think, you know, making it a little, it's very easy to blame the horse. But I think the riders were a little bit quicker to... And I don't want to say all riders because there's certainly people that are a little bit neurotic and, you know, get easily down on themselves. And that isn't beneficial either. But, you know, the number of times someone stops in the middle of a course and goes, oh, my God, she's so strong. I can't hold her. Like, well, this is how the horse goes. It's your job to get stronger. And sure, we can train, but just complaining is not going to help the situation. It usually doesn't do anything except build jaw muscles. And that's usually not where you need them. Exactly. 
Where can we be watching for you? If we're here listening to this, where will you be competing in Maryland? Where can we find you? Where can we learn more about you and become part of your fan club? Um, you can follow me on Instagram at Witch Fulton. I'm on Facebook, Witch Fulton. Event Entries is a great website. Um, that is all of the competitions in the U.S. And certainly does show in Maryland, I will be there. We'll be looking for you. We'll be watching for you. We'll be watching for cash. I have to ask this. Do you always ride in some color? So if we see you, on the Equiera, you're in black and yellow. If you're on the field, if we see black and yellow, does that mean it's you? Yes, and it's actually black and champagne. Oh, I'm sorry. Is your darn looks yellow in the picture? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so that is, yeah, that's the helmet cover that I will always be riding in. Excellent. So we're watching for your helmet and we're watching for the black and champagne color. Perfect. Sounds good. Thank you for joining us and good luck. Get back out there and get going. Thank you. We'll see you soon. Again, if we want to get in touch with you, how do we find you? Facebook, Woods Fulton, Instagram, Woods Fulton, TikTok, Woods Fulton. And if you see me at a show, don't be afraid to say hello. We will be looking for you. Hang in there and have a successful year. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Maryland Horse Council Podcast, educating, representing, and uniting Maryland's equine community. Today's program is brought to you by Equus. Equus entered the pet grooming business in 1991 with 40 years of experience in the manufacturing of human professional salon beauty products. It's important to understand the highest quality human grade products are used in the Equus product line, making them unique in the market. 